Hi everyone, it's Dara Kaliwo, your host of the Also Grind podcast, where I am joined by entrepreneurs and career folks doing amazing stuff as they share their original stories and lessons learned along the way. Today, I'm joined by one of the best comic artists I know, Justin Irabo, aka The Wonder King. Justin has worked with six different companies in five years. He was at one time a digital marketer at Hotels at NG, head of marketing at Jumia Food, growth manager at Big Cabal Media, to mention a few. On this episode, we talked about what Oberanda is, what young creatives need to do to thrive in Nigeria, why mental health should be paid attention to, who Justin's celebrity crush is, and a bit more. Just before you listen to this episode, I would like to give a shout out to the guy behind the creative artwork for this podcast, Sam Omojero. He's one of the best creative designers I know in Nigeria. Do enjoy the podcast. Hi everyone, this is Dayo Kodewo, your host of the Also Brand Podcast, and I'm here in Justin's office. Um, how are you doing, Justin? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So one of the things like I've always wanted to ask you was, what's the story behind the Wonder Kind? All right. So so when I was younger. I was a little bit envious of kids who had nicknames. I, I never really had one. I think it was very difficult to give me a nickname. Even my friends tried, tried like when I was a kid, they tried to give me nicknames and they never quite stuck. Mostly because I was I was an adorable child. I did not have any particular um, distinguishing features. I hadn't started getting I hadn't gotten my glasses yet. Yeah. So I would have probably been called Ojugo or something. <laughs> But um, I hadn't gotten glasses. I did not engage in sports. So for a while, they used to call me Kolesa, which means has no legs. Mm. But that also did not stick. And, <clears throat> and I had friends that had cool and absurd nicknames. And I just felt excluded. So um, when, I, when I got into secondary school, um, I tried to be called the Justifier, which was just a play on Justin. But mm. that also did not stick. And then I got into secondary school and I began to try different iterations of different nicknames. Um, there was a time when people used to call me to the bones, which I think is terrible. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was just into the bones. Yeah. And, and then I tried to, I tried to foist the, 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 the last brain bend on people. That was also terrible. Yeah. So you can see my very first few nicknames were trash. <laughs> and then, um, I became the maestro. So maestro, my, the maestro stuck for my entire duration of university. People used to call me maestro. And, and then I got on Twitter. And then I first started my handle with um, Slick Sniper, which was a mouthful name. Mm-hmm. And when I hit a thousand followers, I became the Wonder King. And I have been the Wonder King for a couple of years now. Awesome. That's fascinating, man. Like, I never used to have like nicknames. My, my name is Dyer, so it's easy to just call me D1. Yeah, the funny thing is that now people are warming up to calling me J. And I'm like, why did you call me J a long time ago? <laughs> like, that's pretty easy. Yes, yeah, like, now people call me J, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's talk about Oberanda, yes. right? Um, what's Oberanda? Can you just tell us more about? So, um, Oberanda is the website where I post all those silly comics I make. I mean, comics I've been making for the last two years. But, but beyond that, I think when people ask about what Oberanda means, they are referring to to the series I made. What is Oberanda, right? And at the time, I was just being I was just being silly, but I think that if I wanted to really answer that question, mm-hmm. it would be like something very meta. What I mean by that is, 
I created Obaranda as a standing for something. Basically, I had been doing comics long before I created Obaranda. Yeah. But as soon as I created Obaranda, Obaranda became like the the name for all the comics I was making. Mm-hmm. And and so it dates back to before my comic time. So before I started making comics, I was a writer. And I was I was doing pretty okay as a writer, yeah. you know. Um, it was my bread and butter. I mean, right, my writing actually launched my entire career, right? Mm-hmm. So I first started out as a writer. Yeah. And and then I was fascinated by a couple artists. And I remember that, oh yeah, I used to draw as a kid, right? And so I, I started drawing like some kind of fan base work, like mm-hmm. some tributes to my favorite shows, my favorite characters and all that. And then in the course of writing, I won I was nominated for the Tesla Prize for Flash Fiction. Nice. And so on I think in March 2015, I was on stage at the Intercontinental Hotel, I think, and and I got a couple pounds and, and an iPad. So I did not know what to do with the with the iPad. I mean yeah. it was it was easy to decide what to do with the money, but yeah. I didn't know what to do with an iPad, right? That was the first time I was coming, I was touching an Apple device. Absolutely complicated. I did what, not what year was that? 2015 man. <laughs> wow, like three years ago. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, 2015, I was just touching an iPad for the first time and it had no SIM cards. It was weird, it was diabolical, mm-hmm. right? And so, I felt like I was going to misuse this device. And I'm terrible at selling gadgets, mm-hmm. so I had to find use for it. And so, I began to, for the first time, explore the relatively abstruse field of yeah. digital art. And so, I started drawing. And, and at first I wanted to be like all these hyper-realistic artists and do some like badass art but mm-hmm. I found myself gravitating towards art that just mocked the Nigerian condition mm-hmm. and this was because I was spending a lot of time coming from the mainland to the island, from the island to the mainland and I was stuck in traffic and I was in, interacting with very interesting people and, and it was just easy to, to, to mock those experiences or to, or to find humor in them and so yeah. I used to just do really 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 bad drawings explaining things and it used to resonate with people like I used to get like a couple thousand retweets and all of that and, and then I decided to to um, study the art form known as web, web comics it's relatively newfangled but it tends to it tends to do very well yeah you know so and so I began to like I began to look into that and before you knew it I decided that I wanted to be a web comic artist yeah. in some form and that required me to name it something um, I had a number number of names. One of them one of them was the Fly Fly, which was supposed to be like a play on the fly on the wall. Yeah. And I, I asked a couple friends to vote on them. I think the Fly Fly was their top recommendation mm-hmm. for it. And the Baranda was probably the last. Well, wow. I liked the Baranda, I just like how it sounded. I think I was looking for confirmation um, of something I'd already decided then. Yeah. I'd already liked the Baranda. I wanted yeah, to see many people like yeah. it then. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't a popular um, people did not get what it meant. They mm-hmm. did not. They thought it was just weird and random. But I liked it. I, I felt that once you say Obaranda, it you you find it you 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 don't forget that very easily. And yeah. so and so I went with Obaranda. So there's no, there's really no deep backstory to it. Maybe yeah, I'll, that, that, I'll retcon that, that, it a few years from now. And <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you just made mention of something that like yeah. your, your stuff. Obaranda is random, like, mm-hmm. and your drawing. Like, I think I've told you before. Like, yeah, you just seem very weird. Yeah. Some days you see them and you're so drawn to them, and some yeah. days you're like, "What is this guy doing?" Like, so, like, what, what's 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 your inspiration like around your drawings themselves, your characters? Okay, so in terms of drawing, I still 
I still I still favor storytelling over technique, mm-hmm. right? Um, I get I get very bored when I look at really really masterful art pieces and and there's really not much of a story behind them or the story behind them is very cliche. And so with Obaranda or with my style of drawing, I deliberately show that I am not trying to show mastery. Yeah. Although sometimes I do go back and do something very, very good. So people know that oh yeah, this guy can draw. Yeah, yeah. It's just he just he just likes to do rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so here's the thing, right? I have I have I have a thread on Twitter where I explain this. For comic artists, right, they have a finite resource, which is time, mm-hmm. right? And they have to they have to fixate on one thing over the other at any given time. Unless unless they want to work on a very on a say a decade long project, in which case they can maximize both angles. One, you have the art, and two, you have the storytelling. Um, some some really, really, really remarkable geniuses who have done a lot of time can find a way to to um, to use both without each of them suffering. Mm-hmm. But the the kind of work that I like to consume and the kind of work that I like to create has like a very strong um, tilt towards storytelling as yeah. opposed to towards um, technique. Mm-hmm. So ideally, I will consume a full one thousand page book where the characters were nothing but stick figures. Mm-hmm. If the story was good, mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff I'll consume. Yeah. Right. You don't want to see my YouTube history. I watch some of the worst cartoons and yeah. movies that are really terribly produced, mm-hmm. but the story is reverting enough for me to follow. Yeah. And that's the style, and that's what I like to do with what I with, with what I create. Um, I think that many people are not very good storytellers. I think that um, in Nigeria, especially, I don't know if it's the same globally, but I can mm-hmm. speak for Nigeria. As soon as you have a creative person who can draw or who can um, hold a camera, for example. They immediately feel like they have the requirement to tell a story, yeah. right? But it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah. Sometimes you're a good artist, you're mm-hmm. a good storyteller, and then you need to collaborate with a good writer. Um, but because I'm coming from the perspective or from the, from the original position of a writer, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to wax stronger on the writing side, right? As for the drawings themselves, I draw like that, like um, I draw very zany characters without respect for proportions, mm-hmm. without respect for anatomical forms, without respect for physics, because it's easy mm-hmm. and faster for me. So it means that I can draw on autopilot while fixating heavily on what I think really matters to me at least, yeah. which is storytelling. Mm-hmm. So what you see as um, as the peculiarity of the style is mostly a feature of it. I guess like that's the thing with it. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Like I mean, you made you talked about some very technical technical mm-hmm. stuff that many creators or artists would like yeah. relate to, right? Um, yeah. You presently work, right? Yes. Like I you do. have like nine to five, right? Yes, I do. How have you been able to like juggle both, like you know, doing your your stuff, yes. something that you're really really passionate about, and you still work yes. um, nine to five? And what do you do in your nine to five? Okay, so. Um in my current job, yeah. I, I I wear a lot of hats. I am I am the. I mean, you're literally wearing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm the creative. I'm a creative strategist. Okay. I'm also a digital marketing strategist, and I'm also something else. Yes, I'm also a senior content strategist. 
which are all like intertwined. Like yes, they're intertwined. Yeah. But, but there are two departments. Mm-hmm. So I have I have the creative department, which is involved with creativity, design, animation, and all of all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm 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 a part of the team there. Then there's the digital department, which is marketing and you know impressions and driving awareness and everything. And I'm there. So so I mostly swing between both departments, and and I do not allow my job description itself to to limit what I can do here. So um, the conversation I had before I came in here was that I wanted to improve along certain um, axes, which was mostly creativity and marketing. And so they are really letting me do what I like here. Yeah. And so that's cool. They love freedom. Yeah. So to answer the question about blending your nine to five with, with your creative pursuit, mm-hmm. I will argue that your creative pursuit needs your nine to five. So I had a hypothesis. I haven't tried it out myself, but but people I trust and respect have tried it and, 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 and I trust them, is that, is that if you did not have um, a day-to-day routine, you would not be able to feed your creativity, right? Um, so you, you, you manage some artists, they say, oh, I need to seclude myself, you know, I need to go, I need to, go to some, some cabin and write and everything. Mm-hmm. Some of them do strike gold, but it's also a function of their previous lives. Mm-hmm. So if they started from, um, from ground zero, tabula rasas, they just were born and went to a cabin and started writing, they will not be able to write anything. Yeah. So again, every creative expression you have is is an average of your consumption. And the only way you consume is in active service. Mm-hmm. Right? And so so you think of a creative person who in his day to day um is uninspired. It will flow into his work, and you have these characters. For example, the writer, you have a bunch of characters who are who are uninspired and trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Yeah. And so they think that the nine to five is the bug, right? Is yeah. the reason why um, is the thing they hate that makes them write. Mm-hmm. But is the inspiration for their writing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. either either point of view is valid, but I like to think of it that your life is the net. It's, it's, it's a net of every single thing you experience, right? So you might as well optimize um, the bigger circle you are in. So your creativity is a small circle in a bigger circle, which is your environment, sure. right? So for example, when I wanted to to learn digital marketing, I became closer to um, the companies that were doing the best digital marketing. And when I wanted to, um, and now that I want to become like more a creative um, animator and everything, an illustrator, I am in the creative um, industry yeah, in Nigeria, yeah, yeah. and I think that that's how people should think about it. So most people tend to have nine to five that are way off from that, and so what happens is that they can feel the strain. They can feel that what they are doing has no bearing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that's one way to think about it. There's a very more more um, altruistic and more generous way to think about it, which yeah. is that everything you do can contribute in some way to yeah, to your absolutely. creative pursuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on your mentality and your mentality comes before that so so for some people you have to reorient yourself and say you know what if I'm working in a bank and I want to be a singer you know it's like banking it's a singing like what's like you know it's off yeah. right but but if you're a singer you want to make an emotional connection mm. right then you know that anytime you're going through a couple, number of customers you're resonating with humans you're collecting you are passively collecting data, data. absolutely that, yeah. that you've eventually like fluidly map into your music and people get it but you don't know why but it's because you've done this time over time yeah. yes and yeah. so that sounds interesting like that's one way to to look at it i mean a lot of people 
have desires and what they want to do inside. Yeah. And it's totally different from what the night pipe is, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, your first point, actually, like, you know, doing mm-hmm. something that you're very much interested in and also, you know, something similar in your night pipe will definitely help you a lot in, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. achieving your, your, your side projects or also. Um, so you've worked, you've worked with um, different companies yes. like, in the past year. Yes. Um, I know we spoke about it at some point that you know, you've worked with like almost six companies in five years. In, in five years. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Like, is, is, is that because you're like tired of each company or is it because you just want to like, you feel you're better than where you are and you just need like new, new um, like adventure? So it's, it's, it's not just one answer. Yeah. Some of them, some, some companies, uh, just a handful of them, external circumstances mm. like that I couldn't quite control but for most of the companies that I worked at it was it was more a question of what I needed out of the company at the time and what the company needed out of me at the time and so I like the particular crossroad where we intersected mm-hmm. so um, so I started working in 2014 right after I finished school 2013 2014 and the very first place I worked was um, was Bingy that owns pubs now mm. and because because at the time I had interests I was curious about how content was consumed were mostly distributed in Nigeria it served as a good foundation for me and I learned very quickly and so then I moved on and before you know it I became very curious about how um, digital marketing happened in Nigeria but mostly about how tech worked I had zero knowledge about HTML, CSS, everything like I knew nothing and so I was looking for a place to learn those things, to figure out how that industry worked. And that's how I moved on to hotels, to NG. And after that, I, I was curious about how offline marketing worked because then I was so immersed in digital marketing. And the more, the more I, I, I thought about digital marketing, the more I began to realize that digital marketers generally had skipped a number of steps. Um, not many people understood how marketing psychology worked, you know. Mm-hmm. Not many people understood power of um, just repeatedly showing people um, your, your message yeah you know because digital marketing optimizes for impressions fast numbers is direct marketing versus brand marketing you know digital marketing tends to tilt if you do not look at it um, carefully mm-hmm. to direct marketing you know and so I needed something to um, I needed something to ground me in other spaces and that's why I moved to Jumia food where we're doing a lot of um, offline campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, with that said, I think that the thing that has primarily spurred my decisions to switch jobs has been a curiosity about a thing mm. and finding um, a company as curious about that thing as I was at the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and so, yeah, that has been it mostly. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of um, interesting. So, which yeah. of the companies do you miss right now? Like, um, oh, yeah. So, so, um, I enjoyed my time in all companies I've worked, mm-hmm. mostly for different reasons, right? For many of them, because I tend to choose based on a strong CEO, I, I optimize for a strong CEO at any given time. Somehow, everybody tends to be a, a weaker version of the CEO. And so if the CEO is weak, then you have even weaker people. Of and yeah. so it is important for me that I admire the CEO and that the CEO or the team lead, or whoever it is I'm going to work on that, be somebody that is not a charlatan, somebody who who knows their stuff, yeah, right? Sure. And so in that wise, I miss every company I've worked, right? Sometimes I message these people and tell them, 
yo, you're one of the dopest people mm. in this country. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and yeah, so I, 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 so that's one. Um, in some cases, I have missed the team, um, especially where, in most of the way, where I had to set up the team. So setting up a team has a kind of kinship that you cannot quite replace. Every team is unique in its own way. And so I do miss some of the teams that I've had to work with over time, especially in places where um, the goals of the team were not complicated. So everybody everybody knew what they had to do. And so I did not need to tell anybody, hey, you're slacking off. You know, you can see the scoreboard, right? That, that simple approach to life gave me some of the best driven teams that I did not really need to um, like micromanage, micromanage yeah. um, incentivize, mm-hmm. you understand? Everybody was on the same page, yeah. you understand? So everybody became, became like a self-manager. And so the only time they needed like me to go overhead mm-hmm. was in places where information was still stuck in a silo. And so I had to like break it down again and you know increase the flow. And apart from that, everything was pretty cool. Awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. So one thing I, I always like to ask folks, folks rather is you know you're doing your nine to five. Yeah. Some folks don't have nine to five; just doing their hustle, right? Yeah. Um, and it's pretty pretty difficult, like, to live in this country because yeah. you know. What's your advice to folks who number one have their hustle doing yeah. their stuff, yeah. but it seems like things are not just making sense, right? And yeah. you need to like pay bills and stuff like. Yeah. And number two, what's your advice to folks who have nine to five yeah. and also have hustles that those hustles, the hustle is not paying anything, right? Yeah. Nine to five is paying something, but yeah. you're really, really passionate about your hustle. Yes. What advice do you have for folks, for folks, um, individuals? So, um, I am not. An, I'm going to first of all give a disclaimer that I am not an authority on yeah. the following things I'm about to say because I have one reality, and that's the only reality I have lived. And that reality is that I am playing the long game, mm. right? Um, I think I've had this conversation with you before yeah. where I said that I'm not in a hurry to monetize. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a hurry to, to make sure that my hustle pays me mm-hmm. so that I can live comfortably. Because I feel like there's some um, implicit um, danger to that. Mm. You play too very quickly. Yeah. The instant your hustle becomes the means of survival. There are a few risks you can no longer take. Um, there are a few premature optimizations you begin to make just to survive the next month and the next month and you abandon a few more ambitious projects because they get riskier without the cover that the 9 to 5 provides you. So this is, for me, this is, this is a low-risk iterative model mm. and it's fine for me. But with that said, I understand like you have two categories of people. You have somebody who is heavily reliant on their hustle and it's not paying them so they're getting very very frustrated yeah. and you have somebody who has a nine to five wants to translate into into their hustle and and they're not sure they're not sure that they can risk losing yeah. Yeah. their bread and butter mm-hmm. so for the first person right if you your hustle does not pay right there are two things you do right you either take a job and deprioritize that hustle right or you water down ownership and you know via like a funding slash thing. Yeah, yeah. And and when you, you the decision you make at that point is less important than is the the one you consider the most. I'm I'm, I'm going to rephrase that. Okay. So if you are eager, for example, to water down ownership, then it is possible, not absolute, but it's possible that 
you do not truly value your hustle mm-hmm. because it's good it's supposed to hurt you yeah right? yeah so that is it's like it's like a litmus test right so if you for example consider your hustle absolutely valuable then the nine to five option or a, a bankrolling option where you do not liquidate or you do not um dilute your ownership of the company becomes like more attractive for you mm-hmm. so first of all pass it through that litmus test it's it tells you on a very visceral level where you mentally value this particular yeah. hustle yeah. Yeah. are you are you hustling to take funding right mm-hmm. in which case you 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 really 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 probably do not mm-hmm. value it as mm-hmm. much as you are claiming to yeah. right yeah. but if you do then like I'm being mindful of the fact that there are different skills, different, yeah, yeah. There are different categories of hustle. Mm-hmm. Some things are worth a couple million, yeah. and some things are worth a couple tens of thousands. And so, and so, like depending on the value and the and the and the cost implication of what you are doing, some things you just have to fund, even yeah. if you valued it um, at any particular um, way. In which case, you want to consider like funding, amortizations, yeah. and, and every other thing that you know gives you more value future um give you future value now to run it unfortunately there's no one size fits all su- um, suggestion yeah, businesses absolutely. come in different sizes they mm-hmm. have different challenge and they have yeah, unique different people too. yeah 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 different people different unique um, value propositions and everything well you should you should really consider like weigh against a full-time job versus owning your business and finding alternative sources of income yeah for the second person right this person is more my speed right depending on what you want to do money from a nine to five is an example of something that can be an opportunity cost so you have it here and so you are taking money over the time you would have been able to invest right yes and so when you decide to take your job what you are losing is the salary and the salary becomes the opportunity cost as Somebody who thinks about the long-term success of their business and their own long-term survival, you have to be able to look at these two things in parallel. At what point does your time, the value of your time, overshadow the value of your salary? Mm-hmm. That's the best time to make that cut. Mm-hmm. Beyond that point, so for example, if you are just starting the company and you have two visitors a month and one of them is a, a buyer, right? All of the time you invest in getting that, that value, yeah. does it compare to what you got to what you, from? Yes, from nine to five. Yeah. As long as the nine to five is always higher on the chart than your time, you just have to stay and do your work at, mm. at work, mm. right? Mm. The, the funny thing is, when you get to that point where it makes sense, you will know. The only thing is that. Um, we have a lot of absence blindness, right? There is no bell that rings and says it's time or it is not time. And because of that, because of that, we're never quite sure when to make that switch. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if you, if you, if you continue, you will know, like once, once it happens, you will know, you will just know at a particular time when, when your time becomes very valuable and at any time you are not at work on your project and you're at work at work, you are losing. It's a net loss, and you always know when yeah, your salary yeah. is way better than whatever it is you are doing. Of course, right? Of course. So, so like I said, you need to be honest with yourself. <laughs> so, like I said, play the long game, yeah. right? Your salary gives you insurance, mm-hmm. right? It gives you an environment, 
gives you like um, a platform yeah. within which you can iterate and continue to build and create things, right? At very low, if it subsidizes your cost. Yeah. Things that you otherwise charge higher because you need to survive at your salary, you can afford to drop the cost, down, yeah. and which gives you more, more um, distribution and more the ability to reach more people. You know, so you have to so yeah. So people always think of their their jobs as competing with their hustle, but you need to think about it in synergy. Yeah, right? This thing this together. thing subsidizes your hustle. Mm-hmm. So find a way to make it work for you. Do not let your job suffer. Do not let your hustle yeah, suffer. You know, and I mean, that's, I mean, yes. Let me just like throw some questions at you, like if you have any questions, uh, okay. just to get to know you better. So, what was your childhood celebrity crush? Uh, it was oh god, I've forgotten her name now. <laughs> I actually wrote an entire article about her yeah, in twenty twelve. Yeah, Brandy. Yes, it was Brandy. Oh, Brandy. Where, where is she now? Like, yeah, she, she's she's, well. she's yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I had a question as a child. So, what is something we should be paying attention to? I, yeah, I think people should pay more attention to, as cliche as this sounds by mm-hmm. now, but I think more people need to pay attention to mental health. Yeah, so the thing is, the thing is, right now, there's mental health awareness, but not a lot of um, understanding. So it's, so it's like, it's like you know the word mental health, mm-hmm. but you don't know its many manifestations. I'm very big on mental health because for a time, I thought I was invincible, right? I thought that my brain or my head could could extend for as long as possible without mm. suffering fatigue, without suffering any of all those things. Mm. But I but I crashed. And when I crashed it was very hard. Wow. Do you get? Wow. And and everybody that loved me and everybody I loved could not help me. Because they did not know anything about it. Mm. And even I myself, I I really was pissed at myself because I thought I was being dramatic. Yeah. I was like, what is all this? <laughs> this is not the me that I it's not the efficient machine that yeah. I do you understand and, and so you get? And so I was both mad at myself and mad at everybody. And and I feel like all of that could have been mitigated against if more people knew how to be there for people. Yeah. And and it's not just the word be there, you know, you know, um, suggest medical attention, yeah. know the right things to do, know the right things to say, just as with physical illnesses, you know, how people attend to physical illnesses. People should be better at attending to mental illnesses. Yeah. Know? So yeah. Like that. That's that's really like a very good, very good thoughtful answer. Um, yeah. What's something you wish you were better at? I wish I was better at multitasking. Oh really? Yes. So I found that. I mean, I did not find. I find that recently. I always knew that multitasking is a myth, right? Mm. Nobody truly multitasks. Yeah. All we are doing is switching from task oh, to task. Yeah. And, and the more complicated and the, and the more the longer the route the route of um, switches, the longer the switches, the more mental fatigue you get from task to task. Yeah. And so you need to carry on fatigue from task to task That's and get increasingly poorer. Reduced as, yes, as, as you yeah. go down that chain. Yeah. Yeah. So, so lately I've been experiencing, experimenting with the idea of um, mono-idealism, mm. which is basically entering into the flow state. And to enter into the flow state, you have to do one thing That's and one thing only. Yeah. Right? Um, so for example, I sleep early. I mean, for me, for my, I, I sleep by 11, 12 now, mm-hmm. so I can have enough mental energy to focus on one thing. And what happens is that, what has happened is that I find myself able to finish a task and be pleased with it, then move on to the next one, and move on to the next one. But the thing is that I still have a lot of tasks. Mm-hmm. So even though I am completing many tasks before switching, I still feel like, oh yeah, 
I wish I had more bandwidth. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I was ten people. Yeah. Then I could just assign ten of yeah. the other nine members of my team to this thing. But so instead of multitasking, I think maybe I should be able to assemble an army. That makes sense. That's, yes, I, I think, think that's I'll, what, think, I'll think about that. Right? I think that's what I wish I could do. I if if you could take anyone to lunch, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh. The person I'll take to lunch will be Olan Rogers. Either Olan Rogers or Mike Roberts. Um, the, Olan Rogers is, is, is a creator of Final Space. It's an animated show. Okay. Then Mike Roberts is an animator I follow. Um, oh, nice. And basically just like, to pick their brains on Yes. Like, so not about animation per se, but mostly about leading an animation team. Um, your proudest accomplishment? My proudest accomplishment is my last accomplishment every time. So for example, I made I made an I made um, a poster for this webcomic yeah. um, artist in um, in um, I think he's in America. His mm-hmm. name is his name is um Chris Chris Brady, I think. Okay. He, he has a webcomic series called Luna Baboon, right? When I made it, I was absolutely psyched. I made it last Saturday, right? Yeah. And before then, right, I, I was contracted to do a storyboard for an animated series, which is very, very dope. And I feel I feel the same intensity of pride <laughs> for all of those things. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think that's that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Like um, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm just one last thing be um what's your advice to like young creatives? So I, I think that young creative people should understand that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And because there's a lot of work that needs to be done, they need to make, unfortunately, it's not fair on them, but they need to make a lot of meta considerations. Mm-hmm. So if you were in, say, in New York and you could draw, you could go to art school, right? And when you're done with art school, you could start as a junior storyboard writer. Yeah. Um, a, a junior storyboarder and then before you know it, you become junior animator before you know you're a senior animator before you know you have your own project like the, in the Pixar sequence, yeah. do you understand yeah. in Nigeria not so much right mm-hmm. um, so we do not have the infrastructure but it's not the problem it's not the problem of infrastructure mm-hmm. because infrastructure can be imported mm-hmm. if you got an infrastructure problem and by infrastructure I mean like the equipment and the, the yeah. yeah infrastructure can be imported it's money mm-hmm. right the problem is that we don't have the structure and the structure cannot be hacked right you can't create the structure in two years very quickly by pushing papers and doing a number of things there's a whole gradient that we have to go through yeah we could leapfrog a bit but there's still some things some foundations so creative people are in different fields you have a, you have creative writers you have creative um, um musicians you have you have artists and you have you know, actors and all of them. The ones who can, who have like a pre-established industry are beginning to get lucky. Mm. So if you're a musical artist now, you have a couple solid labels that are exporting that you can work at. Yeah. Literally, seven years ago, it wasn't there. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So if you're a young person here and you have this feeling like, oh yeah, I'm so good and so I should get this, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Do you understand? And it will be fair to you, but but you need to understand like this creative meta consideration. It's no longer it's right here. It's not enough to be an artist. Yeah. Do you understand? You you are both an artist and a pioneer. Mm. 
in as much as you've had people before you, yeah. right? The structure does not exist, so you have much a pioneer as people who came before you, right? Anything you do, as small as it is, right, pushes the needle forward absolutely. in smidge, yeah, right? Absolutely. So imagine, for example, like I said, webcomic artists, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm a webcomic artist, so I'm passionate about this. Imagine we were a hundred webcomic artists that had comic act, comics like Oberanda, a hundred of us, yeah. right? Across the country. Yes, across the country. And each of us had a thousand readers. Mm-hmm. So that's a hundred thousand webcomic readers, yeah. unique webcomic readers. If we did a webcomic con, yeah. right, mm-hmm. and sold books, there would be a net gain for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's a hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense to nurse your one thousand people. It makes sense for that structure to exist. So it becomes a webcomic. It's bigger than every individual person. And that's how and that's how synergy works, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you have this, you begin to do merch and everything, what happens is that the webcomic industry becomes abstracted. Yeah. It's no longer the webcomic industry, it becomes the comic industry, and that gets abstracted, and it comes a bunch of people who want to see picture images yeah. of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? And that keeps like growing. And so if you wait one generation, right, it will be just normal for a kid going to school to have comic books loaded to his iPad or to his backpack. So what happens is that if that kid himself wanted to be a comic artist then, it would not be difficult for him to sell because everybody reads comic books. Do you get it? And so all those meta considerations are things that make people get frustrated. You know, because they're like, I hear people complain like they say, ah, Nobody wants to watch Nigerian movies. If, if it's Avengers now, the, 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 the cinema is going to be full. Mm. We need to make this meta consideration. Yeah. We need to understand that. And it's going to like, take time. Like, yes. And it needs to be deliberate. Yes. We need to do it. And because we know it will take time, we need to know this. We are not going to solve this problem in our generation. Mm-hmm. I think young people need to understand this. And because they are small, that's the advantage. You're a small person. Doing and, like, X. There's still a lot of time for you, right? So like, yeah, young, just... <laughs> yeah, you're a young person doing X, right? Mm-hmm. You have an audience of 20. You're angry because whiskey has a hundred of a couple million. I mean, your understand. audience of 20 is more valuable. Mm. Especially they love what you do. Yes, like, it's more in, in the long valuable. run, yeah. this audience is a unique fractal, you know? And then you just need to groom these people, right? And, and just keep like, going. Like that's that's an extensive um, advice to young folks out there. Like, yeah. Um, so there's a question from from Twitter and yeah. it's Avi Enams. Okay. He says, um, "What's your process? Um, do you see the full picture and then go on to reproduce it, or do you get an abstract then go with the flow until you finally see the full picture?" Yes. Um, how we can give like a brief? Yes, very, very quickly. I, I I like that question. Yeah. Because I have done both. I have seen the big picture and written a story. Mm. Or created and, and built from it, and sometimes I'm just going with the flow. Yeah, I prefer going with the flow 10 over 10. Mm. Right, going with the flow allows you to run without a framework, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the most creative ideas. Yeah, but I like doing both because if you go with the flow, sometimes you are running on inspiration, and inspiration is not very reliable. Do you get it? Mm. But if you have a process, you know, a framework, that's on the ground, yes, so. Yes, exactly. So, that, yeah, so run, go with the flow, but within, but have a fallback framework when you get stuck. So it means you can do both. Yes. At the same time. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Cool. Um, J- 
Justin, thank you very much. Like, thanks for I wish you could go on, but <laughs> you have to stop. I'm, I'm sure you, you'll be on the uh, next time. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did and you don't want to miss upcoming episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on SoundCloud. Thank you.